0: It is 9.32 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It is the very first day of the very last month of 2023. TikTok next block. This is episode 827 of Bitcoin and all kinds of weird shits going on. And we're just going to start with, well, what we normally see every once in a while, which is what... Michael Saylor buying an additional 16,130 Bitcoin for $593 million. (laughs) Now, let's get into this one for Bitcoin Magazine. It's the normal announcement, but I feel obligated to at least let you know that Michael Saylor is not giving up. Plus, we're going to get into a little bit of an analysis of what Michael Saylor's doing in comparison to legacy financial and legacy corporate structures. And Lynn Alden is going to provide us that through a note that she wrote on Noster. Uh, What else are we going to do? There's a couple of things that we're going to do here. There's this thing going on about this 83 Bitcoin overpayment in fees. And that rabbit hole appears to be going a little bit deeper than just an accidental fat finger. And it's probably going to go deeper even after today. But we'll start our journey on that shit as well. What else is going on? Uh, Let's see here. What do I got? What do I got on deck? Uh, Oh, yeah. Ocean. Now, on Wednesday... Uh, I brought you the news that Ocean uh, Mining, it was it's uh, Luke Dash Jr. and Jack Dorsey and a few other uh, uh, venture capital guys, they all raised like $6.2 million to have this decentralized mining pool. I'm still, still happy about it. However, there are many people that are not for various reasons. <clears throat> and we'll get into all of that. And then let's see what else we got on deck. Oh God, the United Nations is gonna be in the news, so <laughs> they want they want to train people for oh, for blockchain tech. Yes. The United Nations. Man, we'll get into it. Uh Munger's dead, and of course, um, well, Charlie Munger's dead. And now Henry Kissinger following following fast on that dude's heels. He's dead too. We'll get into some of that. We'll do the market stuff. Uh, what else is going on here? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, there's some uh there's some stuff there. and uh, oh, pools. Yes, uh swimming pools are in danger, ladies and gentlemen. It's 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 a calamity. It's a disaster, it's a freaking catastrophe. Meow. It is. It's a complete it's a complete boondoggle. We'll tell you how the FUD is ramping up. And then what else we got? Uh, What else? What's up here? What's Oh, Grayscale. Grayscale has done something that is telegraphing to me and probably to the public that we might actually see. A real honest-to-God Bitcoin spot ETF. So let's start with the Michael Saylor news out of Bitcoin magazine. Nick Hoffman is writing it. MicroStrategy, a leading business intelligence software company. That's right. Hold on. Something just, oh man, you got it? really good Lord. I had to shake a, I had to shake a browser to get that thing down. All right, let's do it again. <laughs> Market strategy, a leading business intelligence software company has continued its steadfast commitment to Bitcoin by purchasing an additional 16,130 BTC for a total cost of $593.3 million. Founder and chairman Michael Saylor announced today. The purchase came as Bitcoin's price has been experiencing upwards momentum, reaching a recent yearly high of over 38300 and it blew past that just a few minutes ago because this was from yesterday. The company initially entered the Bitcoin market in August of 2020, making a significant initial investment of $250 million. That's the initial investment. Keep this in mind. million and everybody lost their frickin' shit. And that was back in August of 2020. Since then, they have consistently added, creating a treasury reserve strategy that has garnered over 174,530 Bitcoin, which is now worth more than $6.59 billion. Quote, on November 30th, 2023, MicroStrategy announced that during the period between November the 1st Okay, the first of last month, 2023, and November 29th of 2023. So during the month of November, MicroStrategy, together with its subsidiaries, acquired approximately 16,130 Bitcoin for approximately five hundred five hundred ninety three point three million in cash at an average price of approximately thirty six thousand seven hundred eighty five per Bitcoin, inclusive of fees and Expenses, no, exclusive, I'm sorry, no, no, inclusive. That includes fees and expenses, MicroStrategy stated, quote, as of November 29th, 2023, MicroStrategy, together with its subsidiaries, held an aggregate of approximately 174,530 Bitcoin, which were acquired at an aggregate purchase price of approximately 5.28 billion and an average purchase price of approximately 30,252 per Bitcoin or $30,252 per Bitcoin, inclusive of fees and expenses, end quote. As the fourth Bitcoin halving quickly approaches and the first spot Bitcoin ETF approval by the SEC seems imminent, Microstrategy continues its aggressive Bitcoin investment strategy with no signs of slowing down. You know what they didn't say? That's the end of the article. But you know what they didn't say? They said no signs of slowing down, but what they didn't realize or at least what they what Nick Hoffman failed to put a point put a pin in the map on shine a laser beam light at was the fact that they're accelerating their purchasing. Nobody's really talking about that. it's not just that he can- that Michael Saylor and Microstrategy and the subsidiaries continue to buy Bitcoin in general no no, 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 that's not the point. The point is. They're buying more, faster. Think about it. When he first entered this thing in in August of 2022, the initial investment was 250 million dollars. Right, 250 million dollars. He didn't get a whole lot of Bitcoin for that, by the way, because when uh, <laughs> August of 2020, we're still looking at some you know some fairly high prices. Okay, so now, in a single month. In a single month, he doubled that that amount. $593.3 million of investment directly into Bitcoin inside of the month of November. That is way more than doubling his initial investment. So what this is telling me is that not only is he continuing to buy Bitcoin, but he's buying more Bitcoin faster. And that leads in to Lynn Alden's. Uh, kinda, she kind of breaks down what MicroStrategy is doing in this post on Nostr by Lynn Alden. She says MicroStrategy's Bitcoin acquisition strategy has been really on point. I analyze a lot of stocks and see how they manage their shares. Most companies are rather pro-cyclical. In this aspect, they buy back a lot of shares when times are good, and shares are expensive. And then, when there's a recession, they reduce or eliminate their share repurchases, ironically, when shares are cheap, and it would be better to buy them then. A small percentage of companies, however, have more forward-thinking executives that manage to do this more counter-cyclically. They buy back more shares when they are cheap, and they retain more cash or do other things with their cash when their shares are more expensive. MicroStrategy has been doing this quite well, except it's about the strategy of issuing shares for Bitcoin, which, if Bitcoin continues to be successful, will have more impact overall. When MicroStrategy wants to buy more Bitcoin, which is always... What they seem to be optimizing for is how many Bitcoin they can get per share. That's what builds shareholder value in this context. So, when MicroStrategy stock is trading at a valuation premium relative to its underlying Bitcoin, they can take that opportunity to issue more of these expensive shares and buy Bitcoin with those proceeds. When there is not a valuation premium, they can focus more on just buying Bitcoin with incoming cash flow or exploring other low-cost financing. So far, they've been really on point about managing this. So it's that it's that next-to-last paragraph that is that really has all the meat and potatoes. They're waiting until their portion, their legacy financial hooks into the, well, their hooks into the legacy financial system. As the Dow and S and P and Nasdaq start rising in value, even though we know it's all bogus, that's when Michael Saylor starts printing money, and he does it by printing shares. Of the company whose share price is going through the roof. Now there's some dilution. There's going to be, you know, a little bit of, you know, calculation on, you know, how much, well, you added this many shares. So the share price at the day that you added it, now that you've got an extra 100,000 shares, well, it's going to be a little bit less of a price, but he's doing it at the exact time that it needs to be done. He's printing shares of MicroStrategy at the time that MicroStrategy stock is really high, and then he sells those shares, takes that cash, buys Bitcoin, regardless of the Bitcoin price. He's actually focused on how can he maximize his fiat footprint and translate that into Bitcoin at any price of Bitcoin. That's all he gives a shit about. It's literally figuring out how much shit he can pull from the fiat world and throw it into actual real money, regardless of real money's price. Nobody else is doing this. And everybody still thinks the man is insane. He may be. Shit, he probably is absolutely freaking crazy, but he's also probably right. So just saying. Why, and Lynn's right. All, most of these other companies, they buy back their shares when times are good and their share prices are high because they're stuck 100% in the fiat world. When their share prices are high, they're getting a lot more money in general, and then they buy their high share prices. Because Mike is straddling two worlds, he's got one foot firmly in fiat and one foot clearly firmly in Bitcoin. He acts as a conduit to take wealth from the fiat side of that equation and shove it into the Bitcoin side of the equation, while the rest of his competitors are still fully both feet firmly planted in the legacy fiat financial bullshit which is dying. Talk about loading up the lifeboat that's what mike's doing crazy as he might be i still can't help but to you know like mike okay i asked on noster earlier this morning to get to for you guys to help brother out and kid warp helped me out and by the way kid warp i see you out there in in, in zapstream.land uh thank you for being here and thank you for paying the 2.1 or the 2,100 Satoshis that it takes to stream this show. You did that. I topped it up. To, I always top up 2,100 Satoshis right when I start the stream so that I've got enough. And then here comes Kid Warp, and he actually is essentially just paid me back. Thank you, Kid Warp. And he also sent me this. It is a website of the t- of one of the templates for ocean. We're going to get into the whole ocean thing now. And if I can get it, to, if I can actually get it to open, we'll do that. Um, okay. Let's, let's preface what's going on with ocean. Like I said, last show, I, uh, you know, kind of announced that ocean had announced its existence and Jack Dorsey and Luke Dash jr. And and it was going to be, it's a decentralized mining pool. And, and I still, you know, I'm, I have high hopes. So don't get me wrong when I start like talking about some of the stuff that other people are talking about. Um, I think overall, the criticism is good. Not that it's well-founded criticism. It, it probably is well-founded criticism, but I, I just mean criticism in general. And I was thinking about this when I was taking my daughter to school. We don't actually, and I was, I was thinking about something last night and that kind of goes together with thinking about this as I was taking my daughter to school. We don't criticize shit enough in the legacy world. Legacy government, legacy corporate, legacy finance, whatever. We will give these people Pass after pass, I've seen people actively defend the most heinous bullshit that I've ever seen in my entire life. I actually have people in my own fucking family that get pissed at me when I call out the Federal Reserve chairman. It's bullshit. It's complete bullshit, right? We, don't, we just give them pass after pass after pass until you fucking get into Bitcoin, in which case you can't sneeze to the left or the right without pissing off one group or the other. And that's good. This is good. I'm telling you that the shit storm that is brewing around the ocean mining thing is a good thing. And I think ocean, if they do this right, will be better for it. But there is some serious criticisms. And the first one is censorship. That's right. Censorship. It appears. I cannot confirm. But. Through the criticisms that I've seen over the past two days, it looks like out of the gate, Ocean Mining is filtering ordinals and the, and the subsequent inscriptions that go along with them. All right. <clears throat> so the ordinals and inscriptions thing, you pretty much know that they're bullshit NFTs and JPEGs and magical rocks that are inscribed in Satoshis on the blockchain. Okay. Okay. We, we've we been pissed off about this for a while. And some people are cheering this, that the block templates, and I've got one here, and it's like, and I won't, I'm not going to tell you the block number. It's it's It doesn't matter. This was mined by ocean. Do I have a date? Yeah, it was seen at 741 UTC on the first day of December. That would be today. And 93 transactions are missing from that block. Now, I'm not, it's a little bit above my pay grade to understand how they know that they're missing. I I guess that they were in the block and then somehow or another, as the block was mined, all of a sudden they disappeared. So there was a snapshot pre-mine and a snapshot directly after the block actually was mined. And 93 transactions that should have been in that block are not in that block as it was mined. Now, the criticism is is that there's an active filter going on on the ocean mining pool templates that will not allow ordinals and inscriptions inside of it. If that is true, that is bullshit. I don't like ordinals and inscriptions, but I don't like censorship even more. Because once you like if if the excuse is, but nobody likes ordinals and and nobody likes inscriptions and and the inscriptions that come along with them because they're worthless and they don't mean anything and they're not real financial transactions and they don't have any real actual monetary business being in this block. I get you. I understand that. I'm not against that sentiment because I totally 100% agree with it. The fact that they're worthless is one thing, but when you actively censor something, that's quite another. Why? Because it leads to the ever-present slippery slope of the following. You start with something everybody agrees is stupid, and you censor it, and everybody cheers. Well, it's really easy to take the next step into something that, but it's a It's a known terrorist group and everybody except maybe 1% cheers because yeah, they're terrorists. Fuck him. I hate him. They're screwing stuff up. We won't even get into why terrorist terrorism exists in the first place. That's a product of government, but be that as it may. You start censoring that one. Next thing you know, you get a couple of letter requests from the, I don't know, OFAC, uh, FATF, CIA, Department of Justice, and, and they, make good, they make good arguments as to why this yet one more set of transactions should be censored, and, and they get censored. And half the people say, yay, because reasons. You see where this goes? You see where this goes? You, you have, if you truly believe that this is censorship-resistant money, then you have to be knowledgeable about your part in censorship resistance. If this is true and Ocean is actively filtering out ordinals, then they can go fuck themselves. I don't know know how else to say it. And if it is true and they get enough backlash because criticism is good, And then they change their tune and say, you know what? You're right. We're just going to let it all go. We're going to let everything go into this thing. Then I will be back on the train. But until I get some kind of confirmation from Luke Dash Jr. and Jack Dorsey, as much as I like both these guys, they can both go fuck themselves for now. Until we figure out what the hell's going on, because it does look like they might be censoring transactions. Now, here's a little bit more of uh, a... Actually, actually, hold on for a second. There, this is from the bullish bitcoiner, and he sent me this uh, in my request for what the hell's going on with the controversy about Ocean. This guy, uh, front-run Bitcoin... Oh, wait, but hold on. I can't pronounce... His, um, his username... Hold on. Let me, let me back up. The bullish bitcoiner sent me a Noster note from some other dude front-run Bitcoin. Okay, there it is. Jack Dorsey's Ocean Protocol, a decentralized Bitcoin mining pool, has been met with mixed reactions from the Bitcoin community. Some have praised the protocol for its potential to increase decentralization and transparency in Bitcoin mining, while others have raised concerns about its security and scalability. Here's some of the criticisms of the Ocean Protocol. Under security, Critics argue that the Ocean Protocol's reliance on non-custodial payouts could make it more vulnerable to hacking attacks. They also worry that the protocol's use of a new payout system could introduce unforeseen security vulnerabilities. Under scalability, we have that critics are arguing that the Ocean Protocol's payout system is not scalable and cannot support a large number of miners. They also worry that the protocols use a new consensus mechanism that could lead to network congestion and slow block times. That's interesting. Centralization. Critics argue that the Ocean Protocol could actually increase centralization of Bitcoin mining as it is likely to be dominated by a few large miners. They also worry that the protocol's use of a new consensus mechanism could give these large miners too much power over the network. Despite the criticisms, the Ocean Protocol has also been praised for its potential to increase decentralization and transparency, as well as improving efficiency. Overall, the Ocean Protocol is a promising new development in Bitcoin mining, but it is important to be aware of the potential risks and benefits before using the protocol. Only time will tell whether the Ocean Protocol will be able to address the concerns of its critics and achieve its goals of increasing decentralization, transparency, and efficiency in Bitcoin mining. All right, so there's that. And then finally, we have this one also sent to me by the bullish Bitcoiner, and this is from Broad Mode, And he says, short note, he says, I dumped Ocean.xyz after a day because they're not running Bitcoin Core. They're electing themselves as gatekeepers. And then he sends in parentheses not knots K N O T S censorship. Okay. I guess that's maybe the filtering we were talking about earlier. I don't know. Custodial payouts like all other pools, Bitcoin address reuse hurts privacy and no plans for freeing source code. will reevaluate in 2024. So, it does appear that they have not released the source code uh, for what's going on down there at Ocean. So there's not a, a FOSS. Uh, you wouldn't be able to run it yourself and have your own mining pool. And, and the fact that it looks like they might be actually censoring certain transactions and, and letting some go through and not others uh, and address reuse. Okay, so th- the real ones are the fact that there's no source code right, that nobody, nobody can see the source code and the potential censorship. Everything else, okay, and the not running Bitcoin Core, uh, they have to be running some version of, of enough bit of Bitcoin Core to actually be able to communicate with my node, right? Otherwise, all bets are off. It's the censorship and the open, no open source code that's really hurting them. Now, here's one of the other things that I've heard about with this whole debacle is that I've heard reports but cannot confirm. So keep that in mind. Yeah, uh, Kid Warp, Luke is the Knot's developer. I know. Uh, and in fact, I think if it, if it was uh, Luke Dash Jr. lost a lot of Bitcoin in because he rolled his own security years back. And then I uh, think earlier this year, uh, like, I don't know, a month, like more than a, more than a handful of months ago, Uh, reported that he lost like a a good amount of Bitcoin because of it. Uh, So keep that in mind. Luke Dasher is, he's a good developer. He doesn't suck at what he does. But he's a human like everybody else. All right, so instead of just full on loving these guys or full on hating these guys, Maybe we should love them and hate them at the exact same time and give them a, you know, more than what? 48 hours to figure this shit out, to figure out the criticisms. But before I got distracted by a uh, kid warp and you're actually not a distraction. I, I, I appreciate you telling me that Luke is the knots developer. Um, it appears from reports that are unconfirmed by me that Luke dash jr. As well as Jack Dorsey, are blocking people at least on, on Noster, and I think I've seen also that they're blocking people on uh, on Twitter that are calling them out for all of these different things, and if that's true, that's not a good look. and that ocean the ocean um, uh, accounts as well are blocking people that are being critical of what's going on, and if this is true, that is not a good look either. So how do we move forward? We move forward this way. This is the way I'm moving forward. I'm celebrating the launch of Ocean.xyz as a mining pool. And I'm going to remain ultra critical of everybody involved with that. I'm not going to call them names because I don't know exactly what's going on but I'm not going to just blindly walk in the path of Jack Dorsey and Luke dash jr. Simply because I've up until now, they've been kind of good guys. All right. That's just bullshit. That's no way to run because that leads into what I was thinking about last night. We have this tendency when we look at government, right? Look, just got not not just the U S All the governments, Canada, Mexico, uh, UK, India, China, whatever, it doesn't matter. In my opinion, they all suck, but it dawned on me last night. Who's really to blame? Oh, well, it's government. We should blame the government. The government did this. The government did that. The government, blah, blah, blah. Bullshit. It's our fault. It's your fault. It's my fault. It's my wife's fault. It's my dad's fault, my mom's fault, my grandparents' fault, my great-grandparents' fault. Everybody that has ever existed in this country that let this shit get this way is at fault. It's not the government. The government is literally a mirror of our apathy. And I'm not talking about, well, I, I vote. that Your vote doesn't fucking count. That's not what I'm talking about. My vote doesn't count. Your vote doesn't count. And they probably was a time that they did count. But we've been so apathetic outside of the realm of whether or not you went, I voted. Who gives a shit? That's not the fucking point. We never criticize these people. We're we're starting to, but it's too freaking late. That's my point. It's too late. So now... We really do have an us versus them mentality and that never, that shit never ends well. I do not look, I'm not really looking forward to the future clashes that's going to happen because of this. But when we get right down to it, if we've got to lay blame on something, then it's not just the people in the citizenry of the United States and Canada and Mexico. It's everybody. Every fucking country in the world was so wrapped up in all their own goddamn bullshit trying to figure out what kind of Barbie doll they were going to buy for little Jenny this year that they forgot to criticize every single thing that happened. They stopped being pissed off when anybody did anything because now it's a spectator sport. It's football. It's basketball. It's baseball. It's the red team versus blue team. And you're either on red team or you're on blue team. Or you're one of those nerds that that don't, doesn't like sports. And therefore, your shit doesn't count. And because we now exist there, the governments of all the worlds have become what they have become. That is why. I am going to celebrate ocean X, Y, Z and remain as fucking critical as I can about every single thing they do. I'm going to nitpick the living shit out of everything in this space from now on, because if we do not. We're going to end up with an us versus them mentality, and this shit's going to fail. It's just going to fail. Keep that shit in mind, man, because this shit, this, this thing about and I've already seen it with the ocean thing. Oh, you're just mad because you're just jealous or some shit like that. You're just jealous because you didn't, you don't have the guts to open up your own shit and go track down $6.2 million worth of stuff. That is a cop out. That's a cop out. You can be critical of something. You're allowed to. You have every right to be critical about something. You have every right to dig underneath the covers and pull out all the slimy, dead, half-rotten corpses that you find down there because that's what we haven't been doing. Nobody, nobody is, every single person, that goes up at the to the U.S. Congress that has been called to sit before that Congress in their opening statement should identify every single fucking congressman that sat on Epstein's plane and call them out in their opening statement no matter what is going on. If they are a private citizen and they've been called to Congress to testify, that opening statement should call out the blunders and the fuck-ups of every single person that's sitting up there. That's your duty. And nobody's doing it. They just want the favor of the United States government. They want the favor of that senator. They want the favor of that representative to help their business thrive or help themselves thrive or do whatever. But what they're not doing is their patriotic goddamn duty to call these junk lords out for the bullshit scammers that they fucking are. And until that day occurs, that legacy world will die continue to be sick on a respirator in a bed on Ativan and various other tranquilizers to numb the pain. If we do not take a completely different attitude in Bitcoin, starting today and get back to the adversarial thinking that we used to do all the time in 2015, 16 and 17. And even before that, then This shit is going to end up in a bed right next to the fucking Charlie Munger corpse while they're bagging his dead body up to take down to the morgue. Don't fool yourself. This shit's in our hands because every time we put it in somebody else's hands, they don't treat it well. Like the United Nations. They have an agency that wants to upskill thousands of staff in blockchain technology. Yes, Cointelegraph, Martin Young, uh, he's going to get us all into it right here. A United Nations agency tasked with helping countries eliminate poverty. (laughs) <laughs> to eliminate poverty <laughs> there was the children motherfucker is set to upskill its 22,000 staff in blockchain technology with the ultimate goal of helping countries achieve sustainable development growth according to a November 30th statement the United Nations Development Program has partnered with the Algorand Foundation to launch a blockchain academy in 2024 <clears throat> the academy will serve the UNDP's 22,000 staff members across 170 countries, educating them about distributed ledger technology and blockchain, including how it can be used for financial inclusion, supply chain transparency, real world asset tokenization, and digital identity applications. Every word in the sentence you just said is wrong. We've already been through this. I'm not going to bore you with the rest of it. Because this is really, honestly, this is all you need to know. That the UN, in their search for equity, quality equity, and financial inclusion of the world's poverty stricken, are going to solve it by blockchain and supply chain transparency and tokenizing bananas on the blockchain. Do you see how silly these people have become? And why? Because we let them get that way. This is our fault. That stupid shit right there that I just read to you, that's us. That's a mirror image of us allowing stupid to already creep into our shit. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. You gotta stop it. But Munger, Charlie Munger was right. He was right. He's dead, but he was right. A meme coin that generated millions of, Off of Bitcoin haters, death implodes. (laughs) So this is decrypt. Sandra Lutz, we got to have a little bit of, you know, a little bit of fun. Prior to his passing Tuesday at age 99, a former Berkshire Hathaway vice chairman, Charlie Munger, dismissed crypto as worthless. No good. Disgusting, evil, and massively stupid. (laughs) When it comes to the meme coins, his death inspired this week. Munger may have been on to something. The Ethereum-based Munger token, which launched within 15 minutes, 15 minutes of the finance mogul's death and quickly pumped some 31,000%, has since crashed 97.6% in value to a current valuation of some fraction of a penny that I won't even read, according to data from Gecko Terminal. The coin's market cap has comparably plummeted to just over $18,000 as of writing. Its liquidity, meanwhile, has evaporated to around only 13000 Market activity for the coin, which saw a whopping $3.5 million in trading volume in its first 24 hours, has also collapsed. Just one day later, only $23,000 worth of Munger has traded hands in the last 24-hour period. In the last six hours, the coin has only seen 12 transactions. Such volatile pump-and-dump action is all too common for meme coins like Munger, which often inflate wildly on a piece of news, yada, 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 yada. And then that's pretty much it. So some, so here's the deal. The, the TLDR is Charlie Munger dies 15 minutes after the announcement. Munger token goes live and everybody buys it and starts trading it for 24 hours. And then they all go away. All of them. They all go away. Now... Sure, this isn't a surprise, but it should be a surprise, and probably is, to those people that swear this time it's different. This cycle, altcoins are going to die. Come on, bro. They're going to die, bro. Just trust me, bro. They got to die. There's no way they can go on, bro. Bro. Well, sure, I guess. But what about this one? R.I.P. R.I.P. Henry Kissinger. So what's the best meme coin again from Sandra Lutz out of Decrypt? Henry Kissinger is dead. Long live the Kissinger meme coins. Within minutes of the announcement yesterday of the passing of the controversial 100 year old former U.S. Secretary of State and history altering cold warrior, a slew of meme coins whipped up in Kissinger's well Honor is probably not the right word, but they cropped up across multiple blockchain networks. Over the last 24 hours, DGENs have pumped those various Kissinger meme coins with one with over $307,000 worth of trading volume, according to data from GetGo Terminal. The largest of such coins, a wrapped Ethereum token, traded on Uniswap that's seen $254,000 worth of trading vo- volume spiked over 5,700% in the hour after launching last night. It has since fallen substantially to an overall 177% gain in the last 24 hours. The token's value, however, is microscopic with 0.0 and a shit ton more zeros and then 1649 at writing. That's of a dollar. So fractions of a fractions of a fraction of a penny. Freshly minted Kissinger coins are also trading on Solana via Radium and on the BNB chain versus pan- via Pancake Swap. Some have taken more creative liberties with their names, such as the Henry Kissinger Dr. Evil coin, $21,000 in trading volume with the pack leading $24,000 in liquidity and the well-rounded Solana token Kissinger 69 Obama Biden Enu 420. I'm just going to stop right there. So both Charlie Munger and Henry Kissinger dies within minutes of both of these assholes passing meme coins spin up and everybody goes nuts for them not everybody but a- enough people that that there's going to be some serious losses for some of them it's fascinating but it should it well it should um this should remind us that all coins aren't going anywhere boys and girls they it's like jesus said about the poor the poor will always be with you Let's run the numbers. CNBC futures in commodities. I got oil. West Texas Intermediate is up. One-third of a point to $76.26. Brent North Sea, likewise, up a third of a point to $81.15. Natural gas up almost a full point to $2.82 per thousand cubic feet in gas. Gas, grass, or ass. Nobody rides for free, especially after a third point increase to $2.18 a gallon. Good luck finding that at the pump. Metals, <laughs> they're mostly up today. Gold is up the highest. No, actually, copper is up the highest at 2 Full percentage points to the upside. But gold is also up almost one and a half points. $2,067.50. Oh, good for you. Cute little shiny rock. It's so cute. Silver is up almost a point. Actually, just a little bit over a point. $25.56. Platinum is up scant. Copper is up two points. Palladium, only loser in metals today, down one and a quarter point. Lumber is up 0.19%. Wheat is the biggest winner of the day. Point, no, actually one and a quarter percent to the upside. And everything else is red. That's right. And the biggest loser? Sugar. (laughs) Good. 3.69% to the downside. I got live cattle. It's down half a point. Lean hogs are up scant. Uh, Feeder cattle are down 1.74%. The Dow, thank God, we're all saved, ladies and gentlemen, because the legacy fiat indices are all in the green today. 0.8% to the upside for the Dow, uh, half a point up for S&P, quarter of a point up for NASDAQ, and the S&P mini is up 2.24%. Bonds, what the hell are they doing? They're all down. I guess that's why everybody's thinking that good times are about to return, right? Wrong! Still, though, Thank God. I mean, we've got to settle this shit down at least a little bit. We've got to be able to buy more Bitcoin before this shit really starts sinking. Now, every single bond from the one month to the 30 year is down. The 30 year is now down, yielding 4.41%. The 20 year, yielding 4.58%. The 10 year is yielding 4.21%. The dollar index Is oh it it it's risen up a little bit from yesterday, which it was at one hundred two point seven seven as at its low, is now back up to one hundred and three point two nine. That's the DXY. A little bit of a bump for Bitcoin thirty eight thousand seven hundred and forty two dollars and seventy one cents. Average transaction values. 0.73 BTC, median transaction value, 150 bucks, which means ordinals are not playing a part of today's activity. Block times are low. Yesterday, they were pretty high though. They were like 10 minutes and 22 seconds. But today, today, brothers and sisters, eight minutes and 56 seconds. Rewards per block are 0.63 BTC. Rewards overall in the last 24 hours is 100 btc actually 100.82 and with a 15 percent rise in hash rate we're back up over 500 to 501.9 exahashes per second your shit coin indicator is doge and it's having a good day which is always a bad day for me 8.3 united states pennies why because people are dumb that's why and there's really no other reason for it $759.4 billion of market cap is 5.5% of gold's entire market cap. 19.2 ounces of shiny metal rocks may be had with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,557,993.03 of and 5,057.98 of those are in the Lightning Network, now valued at $196.6 million, being run over 14,574 nodes, 61,352 payment channels that we know about, and 81.4% of all that shit's being run over Tor. Mempools, as you might imagine, are fairly full. How full? Uh, 310, maybe 308 blocks, carrying 173,000 659 transactions waiting to clear at high priority fees of 48 Satoshis per V-byte. Low low priorities are going to get 39 Satoshis per V-byte and everything under 10.6 Satoshis per V-byte being purged from mempools around the world. Now, hash rate, according to mempool.space, is 554.7 exahashes per second, which is about uh, 53 exahashes per second faster than what I read you over there on bitinfocharts.com. So split the middle, we'll say it's 527 exahashes per second. Uh, Thank you for keeping me alive in the fountain charts, Dubrovko, with your 1350. If you are a miner in a pool, your transactions are, eventually at least, uncensorable. That is the importance of settling your own transactions. Also, and then he gives me a Noster note ID, which I failed to put up. I'm sorry, Dubrovko. Oh, well, let's see if I can do it. Let's see if I can get it done. Hold on for a second. Primal. Uh, Hold on. I know, I know. But I I just, what? Oh, you know what? No, 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 no. Uh, We're not doing that shit. (laughs) Hold on. Uh, let me get to you. No, I, I, we keeps sending me a pop-up. We'll get to Albie here in a second, but it's just, it's kind of pissing me off. Oh, uh, Dubrovko sent me one of his notes. That's what it is. Uh, once you've been to Cambodia, you'll never stop wanting to beat Harry Kissinger to death with your bare hands. And that was a direct quote. From Anthony Bourdain. If you remember Anthony Bourdain, who did a lot of traveling before he died, he did a lot of Southeast Asia stuff. We weren't supposed to be in Cambodia, which is a neighbor to Vietnam during the Vietnam War, and yet we found out pretty quickly after all that shit settled that, yes, we indeed were running special operations in Cambodia, and we did a lot of damage over there. Again, our apathy is fucking reprehensible. We're not holding these people to account. And now Henry Kissinger got to live until he was 100 years old. The man's a war criminal, dude. Or was. Now he's dead. I, 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 you know, I guess God will take care of it. But we need to take care of shit here on earth right now. Because nobody's having a very good time. And I'm, while I'm pretty certain that God didn't put us on this earth to fall in love with it so that we never wanted to die and all that shit. I also don't think that God put us here so that we could just be fucking miserable all the time, and we've done that shit all by ourselves by letting people like Henry Kissinger call the shots. Before I get my blood pressure all up again, I'm going to continue with Monard with 1,010 sats. Torrance, Torrance, Noster, yay. Termites to walls on tyranny. Let's fucking go, I agree. Captain Fantastic with a 1,000... Thanks for the TLDR on Ocean.XYZ. Pies with 500 says, thank you, sir. No, thank you. God's Death with 370 says, thank you, sir. No, thank you. Axel Rod with 150 says, termites unite. Torrents to Noster sounds awesome. Awesome. When will there be the ultimate, a decentralized marketplace that cannot be censored where you can buy and sell anything and then expose comes back to make sure that he says, or to make sure that Axelrod understands. Please check particle.io, p a r t i c l .io, and especially Particle Marketplace, a decentralized marketplace where everyone is allowed to sell or buy anything without restrictions or central authority. Indeed, but expose. That's not the only place. There's Shopster. There's like there's I, I don't know Pablo you've probably got one you've probably got one of your own damn shops if you do let me know and for Inky Kid Warp and Pablo that I can see in the uh, Zap dot stream uh, show me the names of all the on- Noster based online marketplaces that you can think of don't if you can't think of any don't worry about it. don't go look for them I don't want you to put yourself out but if you just happen to remember. The names of some of the other uh, online shops that are Nostra based, please put them in the uh, in the chat so that I can read them out. And I do believe that that was it uh, for Expose. He's going to like uh, uh, take us out, and that's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. I got zapped too hard, I guess. Grateful for the heads up, though. Gonna have to offload some of these sats to my LN node after my snack. What the hell am I talking about? I got a nice little email from, from GetAlbie yesterday. I, I did. And it demonstrates my own stupidity. Here, I'll demonstrate. <laughs> I shouldn't be reading this because it's so fucking embarrassing. But it says, This is directly from GitAlbi. It says, Hi there. We hope you're doing well. We're reaching out from Albi to inform you that you have reached your account limits. Albi functions like your current account, optimized for daily spending and receiving of Bitcoin online. However, it's not designed for large amounts. For more details, please see our frequently asked questions. We're diligently working on an alternative tailored for higher balances and transaction volumes. In the meantime, we encourage you to set up your own damn Bitcoin lightning node. Yet yeah, they don't say damn. Uh, here are your options. Be your own bank. Uh, actually, let me, let me get this whole picture up. Uh, be your own bank. Uh, elevate your experience. It, it, never mind. It goes on and on and on. Okay, so what the hell happened? Well, I connected my Noster account, you know, none of your business. I connected it to my get Albi wallet uh, so that I can zap and receive zaps. You know, like what we all do. I have, I have, I always, and I always check it. It's not like I just left it alone, right? It's my main wallet. I check that thing every single day. And so I'm 100% aware of the, amount of Satoshis that are in that wallet multiple times every day. I'm not ignorant of that. So I have no excuses for letting well over 1,300,000 Satoshis accumulate in my kid wallet. That's, that's all my fault. And it, this, this is not a brag. 1.3 million satoshis and zaps over the length of time that I've had that thing connected. I I'm not feeding my family on that, okay? I'm not buying Lamborghinis with that shit. And I so I'm not and somebody said, "Oh, that's a pretty good brag you did there." And I'm like, "Oh, yeah, I guess I could see how it could sound like that, but it's not." It's a it's an admission of me not being quite aware enough of what Bitcoin, online wallets, custodial wallets, zapping, lightning network, you name it. I'm still not processing it the way that I should be processing it. Right? So I'm not following my own advice is what I'm trying to tell you. Get this shit off of your custodial wallet, which brings me to one of the reasons why I wanted to, to talk about Albie right now in the first damn place. Thank you, GetAlbie, for smacking me directly in the head with this email, calling me out as the douchebag that I am. Because I would have probably just let it go just to see how much, you know, because it was like 400, at yesterday's prices, it was like $499. Let's see what it's doing today. Oh God, this is the pop-up keeps asking me for my, my password. Hold on. I don't need you. Yeah. So I offloaded a hundred thousand sats last night and I'm still at a hundred. Now I'm back. Oh shit. I'm back up to a hundred and one point two million Satoshi's so the, I think I don't know if they do a Satoshi limit or a dollar limit cuz people have been asking me what's the limit. If it's a dollar limit that they're looking at before an automated email gets sent out to, you know, punch you in the gut, it's $500 or just underneath. 500 bucks. I'm sitting on 400 and like $75 right now of Fiat fund bucks in my Albi account, but what I really have is 1.2 million Satoshis, right? So just let this be an object lesson to you. $500 is probably way too much money to be keeping in a hot wallet, unless, unless you're going to, a you know, like, a a, a conference and they've got like a, you know, they're, you know, you can buy beer with lightning network, in which case $500 is probably not enough, but be that as it may, just letting it sit there and accumulate, probably not a good idea. Don't make my mistake. Make your, make your own mistakes, I guess. Now, from oceans to swimming pools, the devastation to the planet Earth by Bitcoin mining cannot be understated. Ladies and gentlemen, we're all going to die. And if you have a swimming pool, you're probably going to die first because when you walk out in the middle of next summer, and it's 180 degrees due to climate change and global warming, and you want to take a nice dip into your pool, guess what? That water's fucking good. Why? Because Bitcoin drank it. Drank it all. Bitcoin going from boiling the oceans to draining them, according to this critic named Alex DeVries. If you have not read the BBC story uh, that accompanied this uh, this outlandish bullshit that came out Wednesday pretty much right after Ocean.xyz dropped their little announcement about the opening of that mining pool. Yeah, if you haven't read that thing, you probably don't need to read it. We'll do this one from Coindesk instead. It's written by Jamie Crowley. Longtime BTC critic Alex DeVries said that each transaction on the Bitcoin network uses over 16,000 liters of water, enough to fill a small swimming pool. DeVries yesterday published a research paper with his findings arguing that a combination of minor cooling systems and the water consumption for minor energy sources are behind the massive usage. The findings echo DeVries' previous criticisms of Bitcoin, which centered on the electricity usage of Bitcoin mining. His tech research site, Digiconomist, for example, keeps a log of the footprint of each Bitcoin transaction, putting it on par with 808,554 Visa transactions or 60,802 hours of watching YouTube. The validity of calculating the energy cost per Bitcoin transaction has, however, been criticized as having little relevance without further context. Cambridge University Center for Alternative Finance, for instance, pointed out that the transaction throughput is independent of the network's electricity consumption adding more mining equipment and thus increasing electricity consumption will have no impact on the number of processed transactions. Digiconomist's name was also put to a 2017 prediction that Bitcoin would match the entire world's entire power consumption by 2020, an estimate which fell into a similar trap of predictions from the early 1990s about internet traffic and electricity use. DeVries' latest offering to the Bitcoin discourse was met with criticism Criticism, I say, by Daniel Batten, founder of CH4 Capital, a startup that aims to remove methane from the atmosphere, a task which he believes Bitcoin mining can serve a purpose. DeVries has a history of making predictions which have proven wildly inaccurate, Batten posted on Twitter. Quote, rather than acknowledge error and move on, DeVries has simply pivoted his attack into other areas. Now that it's clear Bitcoin's major energy source is not coal, as DeVries had falsely claimed, but hydropower, Bitcoin is suddenly bad for using too much water. <laughs> you can't win with these assholes, I swear to God. Uh, yeah, so that's the end of the article. So every swimming pool in the United States and the rest of the world is in danger of being drained because of Bitcoin. In fact, I w- hold on for a second. Uh... You see Bitcoin Swimming. Okay, I'd like it. Search searched uh yes, I searched BBC Bitcoin swimming pool, and first one up is the actual story that I'm looking for. This is actually written by Chris Valance. He's reporting on this asshole DeVries stuff. But there's a couple things I want to say about this. First and foremost, we're going to read the first couple of paragraphs of this thing. Every Bitcoin transaction uses, on average, enough water to fill a backyard swimming pool, a new study suggests. That's one sentence. Break. New paragraph. That's around six million times more than is used in typical credit card swipe. Alex DeVries of Verge Universiteit Amsterdam calculates, period. Break, space, new paragraph. The figure is due to the water used to power and cool the millions of computers worldwide Bitcoin relies on, period, break, new paragraph. It comes as many regions struggle with freshwater shortages, period, new paragraph. Up to 3 billion people worldwide over, I can't do this anymore, why? Why? A paragraph is not composed of a single sentence. This I learned before I entered high school. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, at least in the United States, we are still taught how to actually view what a paragraph actually is. And it ain't this. In fact, this entire article is written by single sentences presented as full paragraphs. I showed it to my wife, who's a university professor of technical communication and rhetoric. She suggested that he needed to take her class. Did, just, have IQs around the world just fell precipitously since I've been asleep? You know, that Ridley from Aliens, that's what she said, because even she wakes up to a world that's, that's fucking stupid in Aliens, which if you haven't seen is a really great combat flick. It's, it's actually not a sequel to the 1979 classic Alien. It's its own movie, and it's a, it's a combat flick. And if you haven't seen it, God, you're doing yourself a disservice. But at the head of the movie... She's been asleep for like 89 years, you know, in a cryo tube or something like that. And she wakes up and she's in a room full of people that are basically spouting nonsense. And she finally says the word that everybody wants to hear that the sentence that everybody needs to hear is like, have IQs just dropped precipitously since I've been asleep? And the same thing is true here. Has journalism fallen so low that a journalist can't even figure out what the construction of a real full paragraph actually is? Is this really what we've come to? Hell, I've been bitching that it's our fault that government is the way it is. That we've sown the seeds of our own mistrust, our own distrust, our own hatred, our own loathing, our own fear of that thing called government, and we created the whole damn thing. What I probably should have been bitching about more is the fact that this asshole doesn't know how to construct a paragraph with at least more than one sentence. It's just, I, that cave in the mountains, in the San Juan mountains of Southwest Colorado, looking better and better and better. And then we get into the real fun, the real fun, ladies and gentlemen, pool to return 83 BTC to the person who signs a message. From the compromised wallet, this is out of NoBSBitcoin.com, Antpool, and by the way, just to get the context, we're talking about this huge fat fingered fee that we were talking about last week, okay? This 83 Bitcoin in fees, this guy sent like 140 Bitcoin and 83 of them actually as a fee for whatever reason, well, 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 we've got some news and it's a rabbit hole. Antpool said that it will return the 83 Bitcoin. BTC fee if the owner of the compromised wallet comes forward before December the 10th, though its verification method appears to be far from ideal in this particular situation. Quote, On November the 23rd, some users submitted 83 BTC as a gas fee. The risk control system of Antpool temporarily froze the fee when packaging the transaction. Please contact us before, and they give a time and a date, and verify personal identity in the following way. After verification, Antpool will refund the fee, reads the message from the KYC Mining Pool. And the verification steps are as follows. Prepare a signing tool like Electrum or Bitcoin Core. Use the private key of the address, and then it gives a wallet ad- address, or actually it gives a trans- yeah a wallet address to sign the message Antpool, and that apparently that's antpool is in so they just want him to put antpool in the message using the one of the above signing tools. Then send the signed text to the email address, support at antpool.com, uh, and then it says antpool november thirtieth, twenty twenty three. So he's supposed to say antpool november thirtieth, twenty twenty three, in an email that goes to support at antpool.com as well as sign a message so that there's two pieces of verification. Right now, earlier this week, the alleged owner of the wallet that sent the record transaction came forward to admit that this wallet address has been compromised. Quote, this is a woefully inadequate way to verify the rightful owner of those coins, especially in light of the claims of a compromised wallets." So. While this might sound like good news for 83.5 BTC, that's a Twitter handle, there's a serious risk that Antpool ends up returning the overpaid fees to the hacker, not the victim, commented Mononaut on the situation. W- wait a minute, hacker? Hacker, what the hell's going on here? It's possible that we're looking at a hack. Let's go back to NoBSBitcoin.com com. 83 BTC fee transaction was a cold wallet hack. Pseudonymous Bitcoin user lost 139 BTC in what appears to be an automated cold wallet hack with an odd fee calculation mechanism. Quote, it was it was my BTC that paid the high fee. I created a new cold wallet, transferred 139 BTC to it, and got And it got transferred out to another wallet immediately, posted a pseudonymous account on Twitter on November the 24th, the day after the transaction took place. Quote, I can only imagine that someone was running a script on that wallet and that the script had a weird fee calculation. The user also provided a signed message to confirm that they are indeed the owner of the hacked wallet. The signed message was verified by several Twitter users. Mononaut added that the message could have been signed by either the victim and the attacker. Quote, since the wallet is compromised, this message could have been signed by either the victim or the attacker. If Antpool official returns the fee, they'll need another way to verify the victim's identity. Nifty Knee stated that the account is indeed a victim and not the attacker. Others argued that signing a message from the related address would constitute more solid proof. The pseudonym said they have already spoken to Antpool and it remains to be seen whether the KYC mining pool decides to return the funds. No further details about the user's cold wallet setup have been provided. So this is a mess. Nobody knows anything at this point anymore. This it's all lost in the wind. Now, that doesn't mean that somebody forensically can't go in and figure it all out. And I, I assume they can. But already, just, just think about it without pen or paper or a computer, you know, that you have access to. Think about the ramifications of what I just said and see if you can figure it out. You can't. That's the whole fucking point. In fact, I would almost I would almost conclude that this is a whole brand new brand of attack. Something we don't even have a name for yet. Something that, that almost immediately obfuscates the BTC that's been hacked by seemingly able to sign message enough messages to quote unquote prove that you were the guy. Yet hack this it. it it gets even more confusing because it's like when he says, I can only imagine that someone is running a script on that wallet, the wallet that he just created. How somebody running a script, what, what software or what, what cold wallet are you using? How, I mean, like when I, I got a cold card, I, I, I can spin up that cold without connection one to a computer. At all. I can spin up a brand new hardware wallet and a cold, or a cold wallet on my hardware wallet, my, my cold card, and the, the only person that would have any potential to run a script on it would be Novak. No, and that's not happening. Hell, even Ledger, as much as I don't trust any of them jokers at all, I haven't even heard of that shit happening there. There is no information here. Which is not no BS Bitcoin or no bullshit Bitcoin's fault. I get it. I'm just saying that there's not enough information here to watch shotgun. And this entire thing smells bad. At this point, this could be a simple money laundering op that's disguised as a hack. That's disguised as a completely unknown hack. That makes it look like it's somebody hacking another person. And by the time you reach to the bottom of that rabbit hole, you don't know what weighs up. It's almost beautiful in how sinister it is. If what I'm suggesting is the actual God's honest truth. And I don't know. I'm just saying, I don't trust anybody anymore, especially any of these jokers especially like I don't actually trust the guy saying I can only imagine that someone was running a script on that wallet, the wallet that I had just created and transferred almost immediately 139 BTC to it. I call bullshit. Everything about this doesn't add up. Sure, if I tinfoil hat in it, okay, whatever. I I, I don't care. But I got to go with my gut feeling. And my gut feeling tells me that all it is is 100% bullshit. Let's see if uh, Noyo's reasonable, uh, reasonable theory is that the hacked wallet must have been some sort of low entropy brain wallet. I, I guess I could see it. But there's something about the sentence that was written that makes it suggest that it was something else. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to call bullshit. I hope I'm wrong. And I hope that it's an honest mistake. And I truly pray that the person that lost 83 BTC and the rest of the BTC in a cold wallet hack actually gets it back and that their life will be changed and that they will go forth and do good things. That's what I'm praying for. But I'm not holding out hope for it. I'm just not. Now, we're getting, let's see, what is this one? Yeah, we'll do this one. Bitcoin Magazine. Botanics Labs launches the first EVM equivalent layer two test net on Bitcoin. Okay, we'll get into it. It's not long, it's written by Nick Hoffman. Let's figure out what the hell this means. Botanics Labs has officially launched the first ever fully decentralized Ethereum virtual machine EVM equivalent layer two on Bitcoin, according to a press release sent to Bitcoin magazine. This represents over a year of dedicated research and development by the team with a focus on enhancing user experience. I know I'm, ta- I'm pausing to say that I realize I'm talking about Ethereum, but it's on Bitcoin. That means it impacts Bitcoin like Ordinals impacts Bitcoin. Let's, let's take a deep breath and figure out what the rest of this shit is. Quote, we want to make it as easy as possible to start building on Bitcoin, said William Schro the founder and CEO of Botanics. The initiative stems from the team's ambition to propel Bitcoin beyond its status as the pinnacle of digital currency and position it as the cornerstone of a novel decentralized financial ecosystem. Okay, all right. Uh, Let me check something for, before I move on, I want to check something. I guess we're okay. Okay. At the core, of this initiative is SpiderChain. Oh, yay, SpiderChain. A decentralized network of multi-sigs empowering anyone to operate a full botanics node and participate in the network. Introducing Forward Security, a concept derived from encryption systems, SpiderChain facilitates low-cost SWIFT transactions for Bitcoin deployments. The innovative aspect of Botanic Spider Chain is its seamlessly compatibility with Ethereum's EVM smart contracts. This compatibility enables developers to effortlessly replicate and deploy any EVM smart contract onto the Botanic's test net using Bitcoin. So we're just talking about testnet. This is not on main chain. Not yet anyway, so keep that shit in mind. Casa's co-founder and CTO, Jameson Lopp, in his analysis of the spider Chain's white paper, highlighted its implementation on Bitcoin without necessitating any protocol alterations at the base layer. Quote, while there are a variety of proposals being discussed for enhancing Bitcoin's layer 2 capabilities, one distinction with spider Chains is that they can be implemented on Bitcoin today without any protocol changes to the base layer, he said. Botanics Labs is now forging ahead to incubate the first ever Bitcoin-enabled DeFi and NFT ecosystem. There it is. There's the bullshit. That's what I was waiting for. All this fucking innovation and all these brilliant minds working together to bring you rocks on Bitcoin. More rocks. We need more rocks, baby. We need more rocks. Rocks of Coke, Rocks of crack. We need all kinds of shit over here, man. But moreover, Botanics is launching the Botanics Testnet Accelerator, inviting 10 startups for enhanced BD support. Whatever the hell that is. Co-marketing and development resources ahead of the main net launch slated for early next year. Selection criteria encompasses the products, development, transaction activity, and business potential. The Botanics Testnet is available for trial, inviting feedback from users here. And they give a website location. Okay. Again. (laughs) So what's the TLDR? And Pablo is probably going to cringe when he hears my analysis of this, but it looks to me like what's occurred is that a thing that brings Ethereum smart contracts without any alteration to Bitcoin core at all has been successfully deployed on Bitcoin test net chain. Okay. What does that enable? Well, it looks like what it does is that since without any, it's like a, think of it like a translator. And the translator needed to be able to bolt on to Bitcoin, in this case, to the test net, not main chain, not where we all know and love, Not where they've bolted on ordinals and inscriptions. No, at least they, at least they've been kind and polite and at least bolted it onto main chain or a, to test net and see if it works. Apparently it worked. Now you've got essentially an Ethereum smart contract translation unit that is speaking directly to Bitcoin, even though it's just on test net for now. And, Keep that in mind. For now. For now, motherfuckers, for now. Because it's probably going to move over to main chain. And what does that mean? Well, that means that I can take any Ethereum smart contract that already exists today and copy and paste it into the translation unit, the Ethereum virtual machine, that is then bolted to Bitcoin. And the way that it's bolted to Bitcoin is where we're going to apparently see DeFi And new, brand new spanking shiny rocks and NFTs and stupid monkey JPEGs get injected into Bitcoin. We've already seen it with ordinals. This is nothing new. All right, nobody should be running to the hills and screaming the sky is falling and Bitcoin is dead yet again for the 567th fucking time. No, 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 no. I'm going to always go down to my main thesis. If Bitcoin allows a thing to occur, that thing will occur. And the only way to make something not occur is that it's either not available to occur or it is. And then it's censored, which puts us in the unenviable position of saying we need to censor Bitcoin. Does that mean that you need to embrace this with open arms? No, it does not. Does that mean that you don't have the right to criticize it? No, you do. And you should. You should criticize the livid shit out of these people. Maybe you should. uh, Well, okay. Don't make them feel bad. I'm just saying give them an earful. Make sure that they're not just going to get away with this shit without having to answer to Tom, Dick, Harry, and all their uncles and aunts. Make it hurt. You know, and I don't mean call them names. I just mean, you know, like like the following sentence is, if you want to be credible at all in this space with this project, then you will do the following things. One, write a full-scale explanation that everyone can see exactly why you're doing this. Two, explain How it's being done exactly, beyond the scope of a technical white paper, you need to talk to somebody like they're five. And three, what do you hope to gain? Do you intend to have any commercial aspirations with this thing at all? And if you do, list them. And if you do not do one of these, at least two of these three things, then you can go fuck yourself. That's the kind of criticism that I'm talking about. Don't call them gay. You know, don't say that they're stupid because they're probably not. This is difficult shit to deploy, right? But be aware, if Bitcoin allows a thing to occur, that thing will occur. That's just a rule. That's just a rule. Now, we're going to finish up with this one. Grayscale investment, we're going to switch gears. Context is now switching, ladies and gentlemen, Bitcoin spot ETF. That's the new context. This is from TheBlock.co. Grayscale Investments hires former Invesco ETF lead, John Hoffman, to take on managing director role. Let's just break down the headline. Let's not even get into the rest of this shit. Grayscale, we know who they are. They have the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust and a whole bunch of shitcoin trusts. It's run by Barry Silbert. Barry Silbert desperately wants to convert the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust into a spot Bitcoin ETF. This is the context. It's also the context that last week, Grayscale directly met to much fanfare, I might add, with the Securities and Exchange Commission to discuss the deployment of a Bitcoin spot ETF. And then they hire former Invesco ETF lead, John Hoffman, to take on a managing director role. Why would you do that? Is it because he has other skills other than ETFs? Probably not. Why am I bringing this to you? Well, let's read a bit of the article and then we'll get to that. Grayscale Investments has added former Invesco ETF Lee John Hoffman to its team as the digital asset manager continues its push to convert its flagship GBTC fund into a spot Bitcoin exchange-traded fund. Hoffman previously led Invesco America ETF team. He now takes on a new role at Grayscale as managing director and head of distribution and strategic partnerships, according to his LinkedIn profile. Quote, Thrilled to welcome Hoffman to the team, said Grayscale CEO Michael Sunshine, on Friday on Twitter. Quote, the Grayscale team is thrilled to have John Hoffman join us as managing director and head of distribution at Strategic Partnerships. John has a wealth of industry and ETF experience. I'm feeling it happen, which will be invaluable to our team and clients, especially during this exciting time over here at Grayscale. Grayscale global head of ETFs, Dave Laval said in an emailed statement to the block. Okay, everything else in this article is about the race to a spot Bitcoin ETF. We know there's a race. We don't need any more of that shit. Let's get back into this one. Hoffman had previously led Invesco's America's ETF team. He wasn't in marketing guys. He wasn't, he wasn't in marketing. He wasn't in advertising. He wasn't in human resources. He wasn't the COO of Invesco. He wasn't the CEO. No, no, no. He was the managing director of Invesco's America's ETF team. If it had something to do with an ETF in the United States, Canada, or Mexico, then it was done by John Hoffman, his team that he led. He was the boss. He's the ETF boss. For the Americas and their ETFs, see what I'm getting at here. And now he's been hired by Grayscale after after Binance gets put on the the, the execution block. All the rest of these people have been basically given notice: you're you're not going to have anything to do with this shit because we've got you under so hardcore investigation. Fuck, even Coinbase got a letter yet again. From what are the regulatory agencies? Maybe it's the Department of Justice. I can't remember. But they're kind of in a little bit of hot water again. However, they are in the least amount of hot water, which means that they are the choice of custody for the United States regulatory bodies. And the rest, basically, the rest of the world will follow that shit. It's going to be Coinbase. Naked Mole Rat is going to be a hundred billion dollars richer by the time this shit's said and done because what's about to be done the release of a spot Bitcoin ETF that's what this is telegraphing this shit's going to happen it's probably going to happen really soon are you positioned correctly I don't know but if you've got $500 on your get Albi wallet you might want to get it off that's going to do it for the morning roundup All right, it's joke time, but today I can't even get into dad says jokes on Twitter. They find I somehow or another without deleting any of my cookies and or anything like that. I am no longer able to get into Twitter, even for them to tell me that I've been suspended indefinitely and forever and they hate me and blah blah blah. But I could still at least go view people's profiles and see some of their tweets and stuff like that. Not anymore. I swear to God, Twitter is just turning into a desert even though it still has all these users, it's almost as if, it's almost as if, uh, you know, like like a group of people wandering in the desert and they don't realize that they've come out of the forest and that there's no food here and that they don't understand that it's 150 degrees Fahrenheit and that all the swimming pools have drained of their water and that everybody's going to die. No, they're still over there on Twitter, yet nobody that's outside of Twitter can see inside that walled garden anymore. I don't know. I may be wrong. I may be taking it a little bit too, uh, uh, a little too stringently there. I'll try to get in, you know, back in later. Maybe something happened with my browser and it just lost a cookie that happens. I don't know. But it is nice to be able to see what's kind of going on over there every once in a while to see people losing their mind. But I just use it to go get dad jokes, but I can't today. So I'm bringing this to you from countryliving.com. Why don't eggs tell jokes? They'd crack each other up. Get it? Get it? You know what else is a joke? The fact that we blame government for everything and not not blame ourselves as a peoples. Not yourself individually. Us as a group. We don't don't ever take any responsibility for anything, including letting murderous, unethical, immoral, thieves, thieves, brigands and otherwise straight up assholes into a position of power because that's exactly what we've done. And yet we act like we're surprised that it happened. You know why? Even though there's no such thing as frogs boiling in water because that shit's been debunked, the f- frogs will eventually jump out if they can. If they have access to be able to get out of that pot of water, they will. All right, that shit's bullshit. But the analogy is kind of cool. The, we've, your and my grandparents, their parents, our parents, ourselves, and if we don't stop this shit right now, our children will only experience... Partial bullshit, and they won't see that it's just part of a longer turd that they're at the end of. And that's where we're at. This is a very long turd, been laid down by a grotesque creature for a very long time. We don't see the enormity of it. But one day, we all have this tendency to wake up and go, Holy shit, what happened? Well, if you'd stand on top of the turd and look down its length, you'd see that this thing's been laying down for a thousand years, even before the, the United States was occurred before, you know, the battle of Hastings in 1066 and the ushering in of the dark ages, people have been shitting on each other for the entire time. There's always been people in power. And there's always people that let them get there. And then there's, there's the same people or their children or their children's children that one eventually one day wake up and say, this ain't right. You suck. How dare you? When essentially it's still your fault. Even though that you were born into this. So the real question is not how did this shit happen? It's how do we get out? Bitcoin is one answer. It's one of them. Noster, I really, truly believe, is another one of those answers. And people like Pablo and people like Will, you know, people like Ho- my friend Hodelbod, who works on Coracle, uh, things like Satellite.Earth, things like Shopster, you know, for, for marketplaces. We're so we, We've got so much stuff that's completely outside of, quote unquote, what we would call social media, that it's not even funny, yet we never really talk about it. People are still looking at Nostra as a social media thing. It's not. It happens to do that thing because it's a communications protocol. Bitcoin is a money protocol. It's a value transfer protocol. It's a value storage protocol. You You put both of those things together, wow, you've got something special. You introduce layer two stuff like lightning network into the mix and you've got something extra special. To the point that it's so special that you get emails from GetAlbi telling you to get your shit off of your wallet because it wasn't designed as the long-term storage vehicle. <laughs> I didn't even see that shit coming. I wasn't even thinking about it. It took Albi to send me a freaking email to say, hey, this is not what it was designed for, pal, and I should have known better. But I can't help it. I'm, I, I'm too enveloped in this, this tripartite world that we are building a world of value, uncensorable value, uncensorable, storable, valuable, A, a, a protocol of communication that can be uncensorable. It might be a little bit messy at times, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't use it. However, that said, I understand that it's a little bit messy. It'll get better, trust me. Yeah, that's an ostrich. And then you get Lightning. We've got an uncensorable value transmission infrastructure. And they all talk to each other. Clearly, Lightning's got to talk to Bitcoin. And Noster doesn't really talk to Bitcoin. It talks to Bitcoin, but it does it through Lightning. It's also going to start talking to it. And it already does in a very real way. It does through uh, fediment and e- like, a what was it? E-Cash, the Chalming E-Cash stuff. Cashew, nut job, whatever, right? That's what I want. I want a nut job wallet. That's what I want. Somebody build me nut job and I will start using Chami and eCash tomorrow because I just want something called nut job, but be that as it may, right? Think of the network that that builds with these three nodes. Let's just say lightning, Bitcoin, and Noster. Think of them individually and the networks that they form with each other, like Bitcoin nodes talking to other Bitcoin nodes. What does that network look like? And think of network effects, the phrase, network effects. If I have only one element in a network, I have zero connections, which means that it's completely useless. But I add at least one, one other element that can talk to the first element, and I have one connection. If I put a third element and I connect all of them together, then all of a sudden I have a utility of three because each connection you can look at as a utility. Let's just keep it in Bitcoin right now. Just nothing but Bitcoin core. Bitcoin full notes and miners and shit talking to each other. Put four on. Ah, now we go exponential. And the more elements that can talk to each other, In this one Bitcoin network, you get exponential number increases in the amount of connections between those nodes. And it's the connection between the nodes that cause utility to happen. Not the nodes themselves. It's the connection between the nodes. That's the important shit. Now, look at the Lightning Network and do the same mental exercise. Now connect them together. Lightning isn't connecting to Bitcoin. The Lightning network is enmeshing itself with the Bitcoin network. Now you've got some serious geometric escalation in the number of utilities that you can have. The number, if you look at like something that's useful as a utility and just say two elements talking to each other gives me a utility of one and three gives me the the utility of three, but four, we start going exponential. All right. Now we've got whole networks that are enmeshing with other networks. And now, 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 bring Noster into the whole goddamn thing because Noster can talk directly to Bitcoin via the Lightning Network. And then we'll, just for shits and giggles, we'll talk about eCash, Chami and Fetiment, eCash, nut job, Whatever. Bring that shit in. It's the network that will be the, the the flood of Noah that will cleanse the earth clean. I don't need people to die in the flood waters so that an old man and his family can get on a boat and float away to safety because that's what God wanted. No, 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 no. I don't need raindrops to do that for forty days and forty nights. I need the continual addition of elements and connections to more and more networks. And it will soak the planet in a way that enables us to completely circumvent that which we have created. And that is the governments that we all have apparently no problem whatsoever in bitching about day after day after day. We can't go up directly against them. But there may be some sly roundabout way to affect what we want. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.